let's get into Saturday Night Live talk here. This was an impossible homework assignment. We could have done five segments on this and still not come to any agreements. Yes, yes, you're exactly right, because the 40-year anniversary is this weekend, and it was such a groundbreaking show. And I know you were in bands and stuff back then, but whenever this show started, that had to be all the talk for your peeps. It was. I really felt like I was missing out on something. And there were no VCRs back then, either. No? When you missed something, you really missed it. So do you remember when you first were able to sit down and watch it? Because you were playing every weekend, weren't you? Yeah. It was probably, I I doubt if I saw anything at all the first year of it. Really? first season of it. See, the great thing about this show is, Mike, you're about 20 years older than us. And you, at the time, in your 20s, were realizing that there was something pretty kick-ass going on, right? With SNL, or that you were missing That's, out, or there, yeah, it, was, it was talked I, I, about. I was a lot. hearing that. Yeah, it was talked about a lot. I was hearing. I, I was hearing it. I was hearing that there was something really different going on. Well, personally for myself, which is redundant to say, um, it was it was as big of a deal when it was actually airing in the seventies for me, because it was something that you snuck and stayed up and yes. watched because you thought you were getting away with something cheeky or adult. And it had Mr. Bill, which is always funny. It did. Yes. It look, as, as edgy as it was, my parents let me watch it in the late 70s. Oh, no. <laughs> and I love, that was my favorite character, was Mr. Bill. Because oh, no. it was a man made out it's of Play-Doh. And Sluggo. Yeah. So we've come up with our top ten list of all-time Boy, characters. The things they would do to Mr. Bill. Poor Mr. Bill. Oh, God. Find a control here, Bill. Uh, again, this is incredibly controversial, and it was really difficult to do, but we have a tie at number 10 in our uh, hardline ranking system, which was very scientific, no, point-related. We have a tie between Chris Farley and Adam Sandler at number 10, mainly because they came in together. They were in paired off in skits all the time. They yes. had movies together. Yes, they were. Oh, wait, no, that was him and Spade. But they went hand-in-hand. Hand. You thought of those two together in that class of people. They both made such massive impacts. Nothing funnier than having Chris Farley dressed as an old woman reading reviews out of the Zagat's catalog book, the Zagat's review book. Anything that they were in together, whether it was Lunch Lady or uh, the Gap Girls, any of that stuff was uh, the Hurlihy Boy. Hurlihy Boy's great. And, of course, you know, they went on before Farley died, at least. They were, he was moving in that direction, too. As a matter of fact, he will, he was. I mean, Chris Farley was... He was a monster star. Oh, it sucks. I think both of these guys should be ranked higher than this. Okay. I don't, I don't, di- I don't disagree, but... There's only so many spots right. in the top okay. ten. All right. You have to put a woman in there because there have been such historical landmark women, and it was a dogfight between probably Kristen Wiig and Tina Fey, but you have to put have Tina to, Fey in. you got to consider Gilda. Yeah, you, you yeah, Gilda Radner, Mike girls. loves Jan Hooks. Oh, Jan Hooks is awesome. Anna Gasteyer. Yeah, who I Amazing. love. But Tina Fey was so involved in everything. Polar. Maya Rudolph. Yeah. yeah. Great. Tina was such a, a, a large part in a writing capacity that there's really no denying her impact. She's and, pretty predominant. She predominantly was just a writer, and, and she did Weekend Update. She wasn't in a lot of skits. No. No, you know, matter of fact, Rolling Stone, they have her at number three all time. All time on this list. 
We have her. Well, I think that's a little high, but I think she definitely belongs on it. And I, I think she's placed right here. At number eight, Will Farrell. Now, Will, it's really, Will was, anything he was in, in his era, I thought was funny. He was the star. You know, the post-Farley, mm-hmm. Sandler era of Saturday Night Live, when that rolled around, Will Farrell became a massive star very quickly. And the thing is, though, he got better in his movies. I don't think that his that he was fully... Uh, he wouldn't fully realize on no, that show. I don't think so. Boy, but he did a ton. Some of my favorite stuff was him and Anna Gasteyer as the singing duo when they would get up and sing in front of kids at some school function. And then, of course, him and Rachel Dratch as the lovers. That's awesome. Come lay with me, lover, near Hawk's Edge. We'll fill our bellies full of spiced meats. <laughs> so creepy. It's awesome. And I know this may have been in your SNL dark period. Um, yeah, I, I did. I think he's a little high here on the list. He well, might be. He's he's number twelve in in Rolling Stone, and we have him at number eight. I would put either Chris Farley or Adam Sandler ahead of him. He was big though, and man. maybe even Tina Fey. The cheerleader skit was overwhelmingly massive. Very popular. Yes. Very uh, carry. The lovers. His George Bush for an entire regime. Yep. Was huge. Was definitive. Um, the the cowbell scene with Christopher Walken. One of the greatest skits ever. 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 We have Bill Murray at number seven. The great Bill Murray, one of the original cast members, and I would say kind of the glue of those early days. He was neither fish nor fowl. He wasn't massive, but it seemed like if you needed someone in a skit, then he was the guy that you went to. He could pull it off, and he always had something to add to it. You yeah. always got more than you think you would out of him. And what a career post. Yes, and in this list, too, you have to recognize the historical impact of those first few years and how big it was, because without these people, there is no SNL whatsoever. They had to be, and no, no one had ever heard of them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana Carvey. On this list, I think I would put Farley or Sandler ahead of him, too. Yeah, okay. I know. Uh, Dana Carvey at number six. And you could make the case that Dana Carvey could be number one, two, or three. So much memorable. Oh, my God, man. It is unreal when you think about it. And And it probably starts with the church lady. uh, I love that the church lady can play drums. Yeah, the church lady was big. He did everything, though. You just a guy that had all those voices, you know, whether it was Johnny Carson, Carson or George Bush. Or Ross Perot, Wayne's World, all that. Yeah, massive head wound, Harry. Yes. Yeah, maybe Wayne's World is his more more signature to him than the Church Lady. Well, if you put Farley and Sandler in there hand in hand, then you put Dana Carvey and Mike Myers in there hand in hand too. There's Mike Myers at number five. five. Oh God, so great. Yeah, just too many to count with Mike Myers. And I like special needs helmet boy that's tethered to the jungle gym. I do too. I watched a couple of those this morning as we were doing this. I liked uh, Simon, the little kid in the bathtub. to do drill yeah, rings. Yeah, drill rings. Got Linda Richmond with coffee talk. Oh, so great. Dieter. Mm-hmm. The great Sprockets. Dieter. 
Now, right along in here, this really gets tough to separate. Yeah, it does. Uh, at number four, we have Dan Aykroyd. Jane, you ignorant slut. And Dan was... We're getting to the guy that was bigger than the show, but Dan was close. Dan was very, very close to being on that level that um, that transcended whatever that show was all about at the time. But he was so smart and so quick, and there was nothing like him. There was nothing... He didn't have that fast-talking shyster. I'd never seen, never seen anything like it before. No, his Tom Snyder was perfect. Yes. The Coneheads. He always played the greasy used car salesman, fast-talking. What was the, the, the one? The bag the, of glass. Oh, God, the, the, the bad toys for kids yes. on Christmas. It's a bag yes. of glass. Yeah. What's wrong with that? It's all right. You pick it up. You throw it around. What's wrong? What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't think so. And there was nothing he couldn't do. No, no. Great actor. Speaking of nothing he couldn't do, how about this one? The great Phil Hartman. The glue. Could be number one. He really could be. And you ask anybody for, for those for that term that he was there, he was the old man. He entered it uh, in his mid to late 30s, and which was, you know, people were 22 when they got on that show, 23, 24. He was in his mid to late 30s. He was the fatherly figure, but he did Everything. If, if you want to go on pure God-given ability and talent alone, he might he might take the cake out of all of them. Yeah. Physical but, comedy, his voice, his characters, he could do everything. And they all yeah. loved him. And the best thing about him was that whatever you were doing, if you were having, if there was something in it that you just couldn't quite get at, bring him in there. He could find what you were looking for, and the, the whole thing would be a lot better. Number two, no denying Eddie Murphy, who after the first cast exited, here comes 19-year-old Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And, boy, there was sheer pandemonium after that first cast exited. Yes. Like, what are they going to do now? Did they have, what are they going to do without these people? Did they have any idea what they had with Eddie Murphy? You think Lorne Michaels saw him and was... I mean, obviously they did because he was so young. Mm-hmm. At first, I bet they didn't. I didn't take long, though, before all of his characters became so big that they were... That's what people tuned in to see. I did. That I wanted to see Eddie Murphy. I didn't give a damn about anybody else on that show. Joe Piscopo, any of those people back then, I wanted to see Eddie Murphy. He was and, my favorite. And then at number one... Depending on... What perspective you take on this? He could he should be either number one or probably number twenty three. John Belushi. You don't like this, Mike? No, definitely not number one. Now I do recognize his significance. I do recognize that he was the first guy to break out. I do recognize him. Believe me, I got a snoot full of this. That in those early days, Saturday Night Live would run, and then the next thing you knew, when you were sawing, when you saw your friends. He was the guy they would be talking about. He was the guy they would be trying to imitate. He was the guy that that everybody gravitated toward. He just had that thing about him. And, you know, you talk about bigger than the show. Belushi was, he dwarfed that show. Yeah, he became much bigger than the show. He may not have been the most talented guy. I don't know. He didn't really have enough time. No, he but didn't. He his personality, like you said, that aura, that intangible it was clearly there. You wanted to see that guy. You wanted to see the physical side of him. You, you wanted to see the crazy side of him. You know, he would you, go to any length for a laugh. Too. He would. 
He would. Kind of he's had a little Farley in him, but so there you go. There is your top ten cast members. Now, even more controversial, the top ten. All right, can I just say one thing about you may. Belushi? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put him there myself. I recognize the impact he had, but he was too one-dimensional when compared to the three, four, five guys below him. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, look, the the, the sketches that he did, his his iconic sketches, the samurai sword guy, uh, the cheeseburger, cheeseburger guy. Cheeseburger I mean, it was pretty limited in, in scope, but you know, he also would do uh, his uh, impersonation of what's his name? What would you do? Uh, Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. That that had to be like the biggest thing that that came out of that in that that time frame. Everybody liked that. And then of course, I mean, everybody and the liked Blues him. Brothers. Yes. Everybody liked him too. And and look, I liked him as well. The Blues Brothers, I, dude. I'm just I'm just saying that. That if we're talking about what they brought to the show, the next five down, for me, brought a lot more. But that's just me. All right, let's get to the top ten actual bits in the history of Saturday Night Live. All right, we're talking Saturday Night Live here. You all right here? Uh, yeah. Are you? No, I'm never all right. You're never stuck. completely all right. Your button's stuck. We're good. Talk in your microphone. Plug in your cord. Stop the wheel of death. You're all right. the wheel of death. Yeah, we're doing better now. Okay. So we're talking about the Saturday Night Live 40-year anniversary special, which is Sunday night at 7 o'clock. It's going to run three hours, maybe more. And we just went over the top ten cast members, in our opinion. And these are the uh, top 12. We're going to go 12. And look, don't get mad at us on Twitter. We know it's this impossible. is so impossible and so subjective. We're just doing the best that we can. Right, and there are a million bits to choose from, and we tried to do our very best. And we also tried to um, you know, pull from what was not just our own opinion, but from what other people thought as well, that we're doing the same thing. There's a couple of personal favorites in here. Yeah, there are. That we all got to kind of kick in. Maybe not as popular of bits. All of these, though, are on the top 30 list, if you look at anybody's list. All of these are. But these are ours. And at number 12, Michael, you will find, and this is not purple, you will find this. Oh, son of a bitch. Don't do this now. Are you playing it off of the Internet? We're having some technical problems. Danny, what do you... No. It's frozen. Go ahead and do well, it. Uh, Oh, that's mine. Go ahead and you start. All right. We'll just do the, we're going to be needing this computer, Mino. Speaking of Frozen, this is Ladies a, and gentlemen of the city council. Here's something that's I'm just unfrozen. I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. When I see your tall buildings and flashing neon signs, sometimes I... I just want to get away as fast as I can to my place in Martha's Vineyard. I'm more at home hunting the woolly mammoth than I am hunting a good interior decorator. And when I see a solar eclipse like the one I went to last year in Hawaii, I think, Oh no! Is the moon eating the sun? I don't know! Because I'm a caveman, that's the way I think. But there is one thing I do know. And this is where he always goes into some big explanation of why so-and-so is defending his due, you know, compensatory damages and all this. And the jury always says, yes, yes. yes. 
And then this is him on the plane after the case. Stewardess, could you get me another drink? I'm sorry, sir, but the case steward says you've already had enough. But you don't understand. I need this drink. I'm a caveman, and I'm frightened by your strange flying machine. So get me another douche and water punch, okay? I'm sorry, sir. Listen, I'll sue you and your whole crummy airline! Unfrozen caveman lawyer drinks doers and water. Should have been higher if you ask me. Yeah, the great Phil well, Hartman. Well, again, man. Mike, he can't... I know, I, I know just, Corby, it's I know. Impossible. I know. Don't get mad. You're yes. talking about the literally the best bits in the history I know. of this show. And I know, don't get mad, like you said. You're the one said. that's mad. Who, me? Yeah. No, I'm not mad. Okay. All right, I'm going to see if this works. If it doesn't, I'm literally going to blow someone's head I've off. I've got a few things I can play, and then we can fix yours in the break if we need to, okay? All right, we'll see if this works. Is it purple? Welcome to the dark side. The only 15-minute show on TV. Why only 15 minutes? Because if the man gave me any more, he would consider that welfare. And I think we all know who the man is. I'm talking about the man who said Sinbad makes bad movies, but then gave Greg Kinnear a three-picture deal. I'm talking about the same man who invented Whiteout, a tricky substance that only eliminates black letters. So what's going on in the news today? Same thing every day. OJ. Black people too happy, white people too mad. I haven't seen that many mad white people since they canceled Matt. <laughs> that, of course, Chris uh, Rock and uh, the great Nat X. The only thing that really he is known for on Saturday Night Live. In my opinion, should be number one. No. Higher, though. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, go ahead, Danny. This has been one of my recent favorites, and I know Mike's way into this one. So if you're ever looking for anything to do in New York for nightlife... Let's meet Stefan. Take me, for example. Gladly. I'm trying to find a place to take my serious girlfriend. Oh, this always happens to me. We've been dating for a couple years. Boy, do I know how to pick him. And, you know, Stefan, I work so darn much. You gotta pay the bills. I just want Monday night to be special. Stefan to the rescue. <laughs> New York's hottest Valenti- Valentine's Day club is... <laughs> Built on a dare by 90-year-old club promoter Fuji Hauser, M.D. <laughs> this whole nightmare has everything. Stun guns, mole people, freezing cold air. And this Valentine's Day, you can lose yourself on the dance floor surrounded by 12 dancing jupids. Jupids? Jewish cupids. <laughs> you could have Bill Hader probably in the top ten. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He said, Jupids just want you to meet a nice girl and settle down. <laughs> Great job, I'm, but I've got to be honest. What? I don't think my girlfriend would like that. You should probably break up with her and then do like a total 180 or something. <laughs> <laughs> no. So great, not even Seth Meyers could screw it up. Uh, Seth had his place on Seth that show. Seth was great at Weekend Update. That is the most updated. That's the latest sketch that we have. Is it? Yeah. I'll be it damned. is. Uh, so that is what? Number, that was number 11? 10. 10? Okay, 10. Yeah. All right. Um, so just just sub- subtract a number from this point forward. All right. 
I think everybody remembers this. Stupid, but always funny. Yeah. I love McGruber. You know, Saturday Night Live caught a huge break um, whenever Ross Perot decided to run for office. And it opened up what many do consider to be the absolute best character that Dana Carvey ever did. Beautiful day, isn't it, Admiral Stockdale? Yeah, I just adore driving. I just adore it. Where are we going? <laughs> And this was the best of the best of Ross Perot as he takes Admiral Stockdale out in the woods. Where are we going? Uh, That don't matter. Just going for a ride. Just eating up the highway. See, we've been working real hard. This year's kind of like a joy ride, so I say enjoy. You're the boss. That's right. Now, you want to hear some music? You'd like that, wouldn't you? Well, today you're going to get all the music you want. Oh, I don't believe it. Well, you see, is, is that how the game's played, Admiral? They can't put a transmitter out here so good, honest, decent American people can hear some nice country music, and I think that's just sad. Government's in... in gridlock! (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Now, that was vintage. That was one of the finest moments in any debate I've ever seen. I mean, talk about pinning the tail on the donkey. That's just what you did. I mean, you were A1 in that debate. You had an H-bomb. Them other fellas had a slingshot. (laughs) Ping-pong match! (laughs) Yes, sir, you you want them hams down I I tell you, them press people, they're just loony They say you're a drag on the ticket They must have been watching a different show When you were quiet there for an hour That was world class (laughs) Showed you ain't just talk You know, quiet man, a lot going on upstairs Them others just went shooting their mouths off who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> is, is that Harmon? Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course it is. One of the great moments in Phil Hartman's career, too. But that oh. Ross Perot, week in and week out, killed. Always. It got more popular than his George Bush did. Okay, this next one. I think Alec Baldwin is arguably the greatest SNL host of no all doubt. time. Okay? This... Is not really a recurring character. In fact, it may have only made one or two appearances, but boy, in the holiday season, there was nothing better than this bit. Well, Pete, Terry and I have been looking forward to having you on the show because we know you're the master of all kinds of Christmas goodies. Tell us about them. Well, there are lots of great treats at this time of year. Zucchini bread, fruitcake, 
but the thing that I most like to bring out at this time of the year are my balls. <laughs> Well, over at Seasons Eatings, we have balls for every taste. Popcorn balls, mm. cheese balls, rum balls, you name mm. it. Wow. My mouth's watering just thinking about those balls. <laughs> it's been years since I've seen any balls. <laughs> Would you like to see my balls now? Yeah. yeah. Whip them out. Whip them, baby. Whip them out. Is it Molly Shannon and Anna Gaspar? Yes. You have some beautiful balls. <laughs> They're bigger than I expected. I know a lot of people tell me that. Look at that, Terry, the way they glisten. Rose. That's because I make sure that each one of my balls gets plenty of oil. <laughs> I can't help but notice, Pete, your balls are a little misshapen. That's because I rested them on a hot stove for too long. <laughs> Can I touch your balls? Go ahead, but be careful. They're very delicate. Wow. I can't wait to get my mouth around this ball. Ooh, I like the way your balls smell. How do they not crack up? Oh, my God. Do whatever you want to them, ladies. My balls are here for your pleasure. <laughs> All right. Hang on, hang on. Big I have punch to line. say, your balls are so tender. Well, there's no beating my balls. They're made from a secret sweaty family recipe. No one can resist my sweaty balls. <laughs> and God, were you not in tears the first time you saw that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, the uh, top six after this? Yeah. We didn't really expect it to go that long. Yeah. We'll do our top five next. All right. Well, let's get back into the second half of the best bits, best skits on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. These we are the six more of these to go. These are the best of the best. Some of our favorites. Clearly subjective, but at the same time, it's what we came up with. And uh, when this... When this came out in 2003, it is the hardest I'd laughed at Saturday Night Live in many, many years. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> it's so insane. Uh-oh. Did we just stop? Guess we did. Hmm. I'm having massive problems over here with my iTunes library. But, uh, yeah, anyway, the Barry Gibb talk show, It's first off, it speaks to Jimmy Fallon. Because it was so spot on and so funny. And I don't know who wrote that thing and who put that out there. But Jimmy's best bits, and they still are today, are what you see on The Tonight Show, the musical bits. Yep. They are hilarious. And, man, Justin Timberlake, you could have put 
D in a box on this list, too, because it was a recurring thing with he yeah. and Andy Samberg. He, all these are like water coolery type events. And that Barry Gibb talk show, holy cow, so man. Crazy. I, I, yes, it's so. So confrontational with his guests. Yes. And does kung fu yes. kicks. You did not talk to me that way. <laughs> and the understated Justin Timberlake is Robin Gibb. No, no, no. And singing the high harmonies, man. <laughs> Just, God, it was great. So brilliant. It's awesome. It is definitely top five and probably will forever be for me. We uh, harken back to the old days. You have to put something from the original cast on there. And I think the one thing that got people talking, hopefully this plays, was this skit. Uh, York, my brother. There will certainly be a lot of swinging in our bachelor pad tonight. <laughs> Hold it. Let's catch some rays. <laughs> you and what army? <laughs> By the way, so such butchered cliches. Yes, this is the Festrunk brothers, the wild and crazy guys, Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd, and I. Just like Belushi, I'm sure people showed up at work or whatever talking about these two guys on a weekly basis. And people thought Steve Martin was an actual cast member. Boy, they were when I was in school. Every every Monday, did you guys see Saturday Night Live? Oh my God! And doing the impressions, oh, and yeah. acting out the skits. Wearing their stupid, these are two Czech immigrants, for those who don't know, that are over here just trying to get chicks. I'm trying to get in the swing of things. Now, they didn't do this every week. No. They only did it when Steve Martin would host, host which was a couple he times a He did it a, a bunch. Year. Yeah, he did it a bunch. It was probably a couple times a year. But that was must-see TV. Those were must-see episodes of Saturday Night Live. And you the reason they were, and the reason they were was because ah. you knew that they were going to whip this out. Yeah. That Fox Bar was really something tonight. It was no difficulty to see many swinging Americans enjoying each other a great deal. And here is a thing I will tell you. The two most swinging foxes had the hots on for us and are coming here tonight to let us hold on to their big American brand. <laughs> All right, so... Man, that was great. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you now number four. Yeah. And we give you the great Eddie Murphy as Buckwheat. Boy, it's been a long time since them days. Hi, I'm Buckwheat. Remember me? Remember me? Compile for you and your listening pleasure some of my favorite songs. It's all here on this unspectacular offer. But we sing. Take a whistle. <laughs> yes, they're all here. 
Wookin' Panub. Once Buckwheat sings a song, it's eternally his. <laughs> so great. God. Such brilliance, man. Such absolute brilliance. Uh, at number three, mm-hmm. this is, if by any metric you use, the most popular sketch in Saturday Night Live history. This is it. These are the two most popular characters on any meter, anything you read. This is it. And they make number three on our list. It's time to party. I'm your excellent host, Wade Campbell. With me, as always, is Garth. Party on, Wade. Party on, Garth. Okay. Everything seems so cliche now, yeah. but, you know, it's all tired almost, but it was so funny at the time, and it's what you look forward to. You wanted Wayne's World to happen, and it was always the first skit right after the, uh, you know, the, the sweep at the bottom. 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 But, I mean, you liked this, didn't you, Mike? Loved it. Okay. <laughs> So it's Oscar time, right? Excellent. Yeah, we love the Oscars. Yeah, they're excellent. You know, but I'm sorry. I think the movies this year, I think they were lame. They sucked. <laughs> Suck Rhino. <laughs> he just so... Everything about it. You know, the movies probably killed the bit. Yeah. Just like they do everything. But uh, anytime a movie tries to tackle something like that. But, dude, it was brilliant. And those two guys... God, it was great. It was such great stuff in the early 90s. I didn't hate the first movie. No, the movies were great, but, I mean, looking back at it now in hindsight, it's almost like... It killed it. Yes, it did. It absolutely killed it. Just a couple weeks ago, I saw an episode of that with Aerosmith. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's like the most popular one, that Aerosmith showed up on the public access show of Wayne and Garth. And the neat thing about it was Tom Hamilton had a speaking part. (laughs) (laughs) You ever met Tom Hamilton of Aerosmith? No. All right, Eddie Murphy makes another... uh... Another appearance, and man, this boy did this bring an urban edge to Saturday Night Live. This bit. Would you be mine? Would you be mine? I spent the afternoon making a brand new friend for life. Too bad that I was making it with the landlord's wife. It's nice to be out with a friend who won't tell what we've been doing in local motels. Will you be mine? Will you be mine? I'm glad she is my neighbor. <laughs> 19 days. Hello, boys and girls. Yeah. Look, this is a present I found on my doorstep today. It's a basket. It was left here by an old friend of mine named Juanita. <laughs> we had a real special friendship. You know, friends like to give each other things. I gave something to Juanita one night. Eight times one night. <laughs> Eight. And now Anita has given me something. Let's see what it is. So funny. It weighs about seven pounds. <laughs> and it smells like rotten milk. <laughs> and it snores, boys and girls. He opens it up. Ooh, it has been a long time since I've seen Juanita. About nine months. Here's the riddle, boys and girls. What's black and Puerto Rican and has my eyes? <laughs> it's today's new word. He walks over to an easel, and on the easel is a big uh, poster board, and it just says the word bastard. <laughs> <laughs> this is how he finishes it. 
Can you use this word in a sentence? Cab drivers can. <laughs> Cab drivers can. The awesome. great Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Awesome. At number two, so running down the list of our top 12 bits, Unfrozen Caveman, Stefan, McGruber, Ross Perot, Nat X, Sweaty Balls, Barry Gibb Talk Show, The Wild and Crazy Guys, Buckwheat, Wayne's World, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, and number one, and I think this is pretty unanimous, um, and it has been for the 23 years or so since it came on the air, this is widely regarded as the best skit SNL has ever done. Our parents, eh? Your father and I came up with a brilliant idea to give you kids some direction. A motivational speaker. Yeah, one of those guys who speaks to big groups at high schools and churches. You mean to come to the house? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, right. all right, later. Hey, come on, you guys. This set me back. And again, it's Phil Hartman's brilliance in this, you know? Yeah. His speech is called Go For It. Now, he's used to big groups, so make him feel like there's a crowd here. All right, come on up, buddy! Is this Spade and Applegate? Yep. All right, how's everybody? Good, good, good. Now, where's your. Everyone on the set is, is laughing. losing it. Christina Applegate. They have their head in their hands. Yes, Christina crying. Applegate has her bangs hanging down, yeah. and she's shot from uh, the left profile. So her bangs are that down there, so she won't show herself laughing. Right. Spade is laughing. Hartman's laughing. Chris Farley is Matt Foley, Matt, a motivational speaker, and it just gets crazy. This is the first one ever. Father probably told you my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. Now, let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> now, you kids are probably saying to yourselves, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the world by the tail and wrap it around and pull it down and put it in my pocket. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're probably going to find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to jack squat. <laughs> you're going to end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Now, young man, what do you want to do with your life? Uh, actually, Matt, I kind of want to be a writer. Well, Lottie frickin' dog! Hey, Dad, I can't see real good. Is that Bill Shakespeare over there? Huh? Well, actually, Matt, uh, Ellen and I have encouraged Brian in his writing. Dad, I wish you could just shut your big yapper! <laughs> <laughs> now, I wonder, Brian, from what I've heard, you're using your paper not for writing, but for rolling doobies. <laughs> Doobies. You're going to be doing a lot of doobie rolling when you're living in a van down by the river. Oh, God. 
He always goes on to destroy the coffee table. There, well, as great as a physical comedian as Belushi was, you cannot touch Chris Farley. The Chippendales dance. God, just incredible. That was a cry laugh moment. Oh, no doubt. Crying yep. laughing. Well, there you go. One healthy body of work there. Sunday night, 7 o'clock. Yep. And no doubt, controversy will surround it, but get your own show if you want to do it. The ticket. All right, so we were alerted to the fact that Mike Soroy sold something. And Was it, it his soul? It may yes, be. but it, that's not this one. Was it his body? He definitely took a piece of my soul when I found out what he sold. So go ahead and tell everybody what you sold. I sold a tweet. Hmm. A tweet. That's it. And just he to come sold a tweet. Full circle, that music you heard as a return cut was also the music from a tweet that Elon Musk is currently selling in a live auction right now that the highest bid is over $1.1 million. What is happening? I know you guys fear this. Explain everything. And I, well, I don't want to do that because people lose their minds, but people fear and mock what they do not understand. And that's what I think when I hear you and Bob talking about all this stuff. So did you sell this tweet during a live auction of sorts? Sort of, yeah. Um, I don't know how it came up. Oh, Donnie and I were talking about it because uh, Jack Dorsey, who's the founder of Twitter, Mm-hmm. Put his first ever tweet, the the first tweet ever tweeted on Twitter, weird sentence, uh, up for auction, and it sold for I think three million dollars, give or take. But then, can I go just find that tweet and print it off? And look, I don't want this to be a segment about nifties, which is what we in the business ah NFTs refer to as NFTs. I don't want that to be the case because okay. I know people are kind of whipped by it. But I also think that uh, are the people that are whipped by it. Are you sticking your head in the sand? Is it old dog, new tricks? You just don't care about it, don't want to learn about it? And I get all that. And I don't want to be the one pushing these things, you know? It's not top shot necessarily, but they are NFTs. And this is going to be something that is something for the probably the rest of our lives. Now, whether or not it's going to be hot, I don't know. Whether or not top shot will disappear and everyone takes a bath, like, I don't know. But it's certainly it's gonna... something to to go ahead and keep an eye on when this dude sold a digital piece of art at Christie's for $68 million last week. Yeah. Like, whether you're into the world of art, the world of sports and Top Shot, any collectibles of any kind, or none of it, it's definitely something to talk about. It is, and it's a. it seems like it's one of these strike-while-the-iron-is-incredibly-hot type deals right now because I feel, I don't think it's going to go the way of Periscope or something like that, but it can't, this wave is unsustainable. It, it just, it, this ridiculously inflated, bubble-like wave is going to pop. I, I don't know when. I agree. I do agree, and I'm into this stuff, and I like it. It's also becoming very quickly oversaturated, where there's an NFT for everything. Yeah. There's a website called OpenSea, S-E-A, OpenSea, and that is sort of the marketplace for NFTs, you know, where you can buy and sell whatever you want. And I was just looking through it. I'm not buying anything. Don't worry. I'm just fascinated with this whole thing. And I was just trying to, th- like, there's a Bible NFT, and every verse of the Bible is is for sale as a one of one or one of ten. 
Now, so, it's unsustainable. People, if you're investing too much in this stuff, you're going to, yeah. It, it's, there's not going to be a market for every single thing anyone ever thinks of. Hey, let's mint it. Make it an NFT. But that's not to say it's going anywhere dis- or disappearing entirely. Though The ones, the worlds that that do kind of dig their feet in and become popular, there will be a lot of value to the first people who got in on these things, which is why people became millionaires on Top Shot. Those are the guys who are and girls who were on it last November, December, when this thing first came about. It's like the top of the Mary Kay food chain, Danny. You okay. want you want to be first. Exactly. Um, okay, so the tweet that you sold again, yes. I didn't know you, I, I, and I, I guess I did know because I heard the Jack story too, selling that original tweet. Maybe I didn't know that uh, we could do this individually. Did you sell a tweet that just said, "Hey, good Mavs game last night"? Uh, Dirk had twenty-one, and uh, yeah, I thought Jet, about Jet selling that one. Yeah, my box score, my personal box score <laughs> yeah. for the Mavs Clippers last night. But instead, I just scrolled down a little bit, and I was trying to find one that a lot of people liked. Would it be maybe considered? The most popular tweet you've ever sent out? No. It's not. No. Why do you have your arms crossed and your chin up in the air? Because I thought you told me that at one point. It was one that got a lot of traction. Yes. Okay. Okay. And it did feature one Corbett Davidson huh. walking down the street in Miami. And I'm pretty sure you had done something in the lobby of the hotel that angered me. Which is... <laughs> Not to a large There's degree. No way. Yes, you There's said something. No something smart, Alecky, and my revenge took the form of videotaping you walking with your quote weird ass arm. See in the tweet. Yeah, I've told him many times that I am what scientists call deformed. Well, if you've seen the tweet, you know that, and that I have weird arm, mm-hmm. and that I come from a long line of weird arm <laughs> Davidsons. <laughs> And he sold that. Now, what'd you sell it for? I sold it to Senor Nathan, who is a proud, the proud first owner of any ticket-related NFT, which might be worth something someday. Probably not. I sold it for zero point zero 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 five three eight nine four Ethereum. That's the equivalent of one dollar. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah one dollar. So what? There was no one that bid any higher. So you don't own this tweet anymore. Did you have to do <laughs> Okay, that's actually a good point. And I've considered purchasing it back from him. I'm unhappy with my sale. Yeah, I would say so. One dollar. One dollar, which is, say what you want, that's a uh, dollar I didn't have yesterday that I now have in my pocket. Are you allowed to sell things? How do you transfer this tweet that you sold to him? You don't transfer it. It's still in my on my Twitter page. But the tweet through a third party called Valuable was minted. And that's what sort of makes it a right. one of it one legitimizes thing. It. And there's a weird long number that's minted and then kept in this blockchain. Don't worry, I don't want to do all this again. And now that person, Senor Nathan, owns that number, proving <laughs> that he is Nathan. the sole true owner of this tweet. Now, again, my thing for a dollar, whatever, it's nothing. But Mark Cuban has sold tweets for thousands of dollars. Yeah. I mean, there are tweets for sale right now, these iconic, important tweets. And like Elon Musk tweeted that song out that we played as a return cut. It said, I'm selling this song about NFTs as an NFT. And it's got this little, looks like a World Cup trophy kind of thing on it. It dances around. And 
It's selling for a $1.1 million right now. I don't know. I'm not, don't do this. Nobody do it. Right. But it's happening, and it's really weird. Right. And, and really I feel like the Elon Musk about. and Mark Cubans of the world are so far ahead of this that because of who they are, too, like he, Elon Musk can fart in a tuba and Dude, sell exactly. it. And it's like, oh, a million dollars because Elon Musk farted in a so tuba. So what if I, let's say that I record an original song at home, and I have one MP3 copy of it. Yeah. I can get that song minted. Yes. Right? And I guess that becomes an NFT at yeah. that point once it's minted. That's what makes it a non-fungible transaction. Token, or yes. Is it be- a token, I'm sorry. Yes. And then I can sell that to somebody, but do they own the rights and can they profit off of no. that song? No, they own the They just the own token. the hard copy. Oh, I know, it's hard. Now, with music, I don't know. And you did the story of what? Kings of Leon? Kings didn't of they Leon sell the all their... First, yeah. They're releasing the first album as an NFT. Okay, so... And I frankly don't know this answer. Can the only people that can listen to the music... No. Okay, no. so every everyone can listen right, to it. Right, but I think the people, people that buy own... it, People that buy it, they end up getting like a lifetime ticket to their shows. Sounds about right. It's a bunch of stuff. You well, get like a big package deal. Did yeah. you see Gronk did it the, yesterday? Gronk did... Uh, his own like f- six pack, I think of NFTs. I'm trying not to say that because I, I know, know it I know, literally I know. like bothers people. Nifties, more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he did his own to commemorate his Super Bowls, and then there was one. It was a one of one with five or four pictures from his Super Bowl wins, and it sold for I th- two two something million dollars. Yeah, see these guys, these monsters of whatever industry that they're in. Yeah, they're very smart to get on this right now. Because it's a no-lose situation for them. Mm-hmm. For the standard dude, it's you know a little tougher nut to crack. But for these guys that actually have a commodity, something that is tangible that that a lot of people would want to acquire, man, get on it. You know, I don't. We don't have anything like that, but I, I don't even know what it would be. But but these people, I mean, th- there's a lot dude. of people that are going to make Gronk. Gronk's a knucklehead, but he has smart people around him. He's like, dude, you can do this. And then you have a... And he didn't have to do anything. He didn't do anything. A digital artist makes this kind of pretty, yeah. moving little card, and they made millions of dollars from it. Right, and he probably popped them, you know, 10% or 15% of it, and then he got a $2 million check. You could transform or transfer your interview with George W. Bush... Dude, don't and sell that, mint that, and then yeah. somebody owns that, and it's the only one of its existence. But you, I have it's the still other out there. I, I know. just don't understand what make just because it got minted somehow makes it unique. The 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 easy answer, which is used a lot, is you can go online and print uh, the Onus Wagner baseball card right now, and you're holding it, but you don't own it. That's sort of the the easy short answer. It's I got to have the stamp of approval. You have to own the real one, and that's sort of what this is. And we mentioned Gronk. Tomorrow, March 17th, the gallery goes on sale. The Museum of Mahomes. Wow. Patrick Mahomes is is selling NFTs. Its first tier features three art pieces memorializing special moments in Mahomes' life and career with prices ranging from $2,500 to $7,500. Second tier features a jewel-encrusted helmet and... But did they actually get the, the physical pieces no. of this stuff? Mm-mm. No, I don't Museum understand any of yeah, this. But yeah, I understand that you don't, and but I'm but not. You posi- do? No, no, no. I guess I, I'm. I mean, I can go back to the Top Shot thing where I get that. I mean, yeah. it's in my blockchain. I own it. It's look. It's only worth what the value. What someone's willing to pay for it. Again, but people are willing to pay a lot of money like for these gold. things. It's going to pop. 
And I'm not saying that everybody that's, okay, that's yes, messing I with agree, this. But you go back ten or seven, six, seven years ago, and Bitcoin freaked everybody out. And they said, put your money in gold. And gold is still worth what seventeen thousand dollars an ounce or seven thousand, whatever it is. Yeah. It hasn't moved an inch. And if you put that money into Bitcoin, you'd be on a yacht right now, laughing at everybody who is poo-pooing it, like you guys are. I'm not saying you're wrong Where's to your do it. Yacht? I'm not. I wasn't on YouTube poo-pooing on. it. I'm just saying the current, what, where we're at right now, it just doesn't seem sustainable. It just seems so out there and over the top that it can't keep up. And it's like the market is being set by a couple of guys. Okay, okay. and there's also that. Are rich people who are friends buying these things from each other and thereby falsely inflating the value of them? Like yeah. Colluding. Colluding, 100%. And I, I don't have that answer, but there is concerns of that. And it's so new that there's probably no real regulation. Yeah, re- regulations for it, right? It, look, it's a, it's fascinating. My whole thing is with it is that I'm not into collectibles of anything, mm-hmm. and so just the concept of of collectibles isn't a thing for me. I don't really care. And then you take it up to this level, where I don't understand it and don't it just care. It's all virtual. <laughs> like it's, I know it is. It's it's all it is. I'm not saying get in on it, but it's fun to keep an eye on. Oh, and, and I, th- I we already have an offer. If someone wants to buy the ticket ticker bed for five buck. The song? <laughs> I don't know if it's the actual one or your version. <laughs> I think your version would be a little more. Uh, there you go. Just keep pumping out and make an album, <laughs> yep. and let's uh-huh. NFT that. So let's nifty that son of a bitch. Yeah. I'm gonna do some research. I think okay. you should. That you know, that's what I wanted from this segment. Well, I was hoping that you were just going to explain it all to me. It's too it hard. It drives people crazy when you try to explain it all. Yeah. Look, I'm ready. I'm ready to be driven crazy if you can articulate the nuances of this thing in a way that I can understand it. It's incredibly difficult to just because you're not holding it, and it's almost like music. You the the music you own, you don't touch it. You, right. Unless you yes, own an album right. or a CD or but something. But how about this? How much money do you guys have? Okay, you have some number. Really, where is it? Is it your, under your mattress? No, it's in a bank account. It's yeah. kind of there, but you don't know. You're just trusting that it's there. But hey, I have right. this amount. This is this defines me. This is you know, this allows me to do the things. Right. It's sort of like that, where just owning it is 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 the fun or the interesting thing, but again, it's the value of it. People aren't buying these Gronk cards because they want to look at them and 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 shimmer it and look at his touchdown Gronk spike. They're buying it because they think it's going to be worth more in the near future, if not the long. You know future. that piece of art that sold for whatever it was, sixty-eight million bucks. Where is that going to go? It's just on your computer, and you just have it as your screensaver. Right. In the case of art, and if you're talking about a $68 million piece, you could probably have a giant digital frame in your home and have it living there if that's really what you wanted. But I think the person who bought that is planning on selling it for $100 million here very shortly. We should get on on that. Yeah, we should. Yeah, all just right. jump both feet in to the most <laughs> expensive <laughs> NFT purchase of all time. Just look it up. It's fun. It's interesting. And uh, I've done some reading, but it's still... I need to do more he's, reading. He sold me. <laughs> and you guys hate this stuff. He sold me. I'm just, don't ha- be head in the sand. I don't want to hear about it. It's stupid, stupid, dumb, dumb. I'm not that way. <laughs> just I'm like, not that way. I'm uh, open. Check it out. I'm open. The ticket. Hello, Quick hits. 
Ladies and gentlemen, sponsor. Airstream of DFW and Twin Peaks. Here's Danny. Yes, our community is in Texas, and today happens to be Texas Independence Day. I don't know if either one of you knew that or not. Oh, yeah. The Dallas Morning News today ran a quiz to test the knowledge of people wanting to take this quiz on their understanding of Texas history. (laughs) All right? Okay. Bob, you have lived in this wonderful Lone Star State for 21 plus years. Coming up on 22, yeah. Yes. So you've lived here damn near as long as you've lived anywhere else. I got here as soon as I could. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. So I'm going to pick some select questions from the Dallas Morning News quiz, and I'm going to ask the two of you. This should go well. Can we go together? Can we be a team? No. I'm going to ask the question. They will be multiple choice. Bob, you will be required to answer first because Corby being number one, a Texas born and bred native, and number two, a history buff, for me to ask him the question that's right. I fear history buff that you history would, major that you would just steal his answer and make it your own and therefore end in a tie you are looking probably get them all. bob at, at at a kid that made an a plus in seventh grade texas history okay. you're actually looking bob at two kids that made an a plus in seventh grade texas history now that was 40 years ago i would be more than happy to duel either of you in history but Texas history is certainly General not. history. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> while not a history major, I am a lover of history. But okay. I will say, Texas history may be a blind spot. You may surprise yourself. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to play 3-7 to seven Texas history quiz featuring Bob Stern. Okay. Number one. In what year did the Battle of the Alamo take place, Bob? Was it 1824? 1836? 1842 or 1846? 1836. Corby, answer. Yeah, he's right. You both are correct. Yes! I knew that one. Keep them coming. Question number two, Bob. What is the Texas state bird? Is it the eagle, the woodpecker, the owl, or the mockingbird? Who? You're on the clock, Bob. Texas State Bird. Mockingbird. Corby? He is correct. He is correct. Mockingbird. There you go. Two All right. for two, both okay. of you. The owl. Number <laughs> three, Bob. How tall is Big Tex at the State Fair? Is he 45 feet tall, 55 feet tall, 65, or 75? 45. Corby, do you have an answer? I do don't know this answer. I'm going to say, though, he is 65. You are both wrong. Is he 75? He is 55 oh, feet tall. Oh, man. That's not, it's not real history. Yeah, it is. How tall a dumb mannequin is. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Corby. He's more than a mannequin. Something you should know. That's true. Next question. <laughs> Which Texas city... Bob. Yes. Is home to the original Whataburger restaurant. Ooh. Is it San Antonio, Galveston, Corpus Christi, or Lubbock? The first Whataburger was established in 
San Antonio, Galveston, Corpus Christi, or Lubbock? Total guess. Corpus. Corby, do you yep. have an answer? Galveston. Well, it looks like Bob's a better Texan than no! you because Whoa! it was founded in Corpus Christi. I would have said Galveston a hundred times over. And you would have been wrong 100 times. Next question! <laughs> King Ranch, the famous Texas Ranch King Ranch, yes. is bigger than which of these states? Oh, dear. Is it Delaware? Is Baltimore? It, is it Rhode Island? Is it Connecticut? Or is it New Jersey? Delaware. Corby. Well, I mean, Rhode Island is the... Smallest one? Yeah, so it would obviously be bigger than that. Mm-hmm. If it's is... bigger than Delaware, it's bigger than okay, Rhode Island. yeah, 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 bad guess. This is a common sense question, and Rhode Island is the common sense answer. You know what? Yeah, okay, my bad. Because uh, Wayne and Garth made fun of Delaware. I thought that was smaller, but Rhode Island, clearly smaller. Sorry. Yeah. There is no sales tax on boots in Delaware or New Jersey. Here's a sports Texas history question. Nolan, Nolan, Nolan. The Heisman Trophy is named after John Heisman. He was the head football coach and AD for which Texas University, Bob? Was it Rice? Was it SMU? Was it Baylor? Or was it, get your guns up, Texas Tech? Rice, SMU, Baylor, or Tech? I feel like I have a handle on three of them, and they would certainly brag more if it was true. So I'm going to go just Rice because I'm playing the field here. It's Rice. It is Rice. Congratulations to both of you. That was very, very good deduction. Yeah. We are still even points between Corby and Bob. Could you imagine if Baylor produced John Heisman? They'd yeah, be crowing about, about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, look at us. We are playing Texas History Trivia with Bob and Corby. Here is our next question, Mino. What stadium was nicknamed the eighth wonder of the world, Bob? Was it the Cotton Bowl? No. Was it Texas Stadium? No. Was it the Alamo Dome? No. Was it the Astrodome? Correct. He's correct. You both hit that softball out of the infield. Yes. That's the easiest one so far. It is. Next question! (laughs) In what city was was Dr. Pepper created? Ooh, Bob. Bob, was it Dallas? Was it Waco? Was it Dublin? Or was it Lubbock? Where was Dr. Pepper created? Dallas, Waco, Dublin, or Lubbock? Dublin. Corby. I just saw the documentary that Danny Bayless voiced Mm -hmm. on Dr. Pepper. Mm -hmm. What's that movie called? Bottled Up. Bottled Up. I thought it was originally made in Waco and then moved to Dublin, but... Dublin sounds right. I'm going to go Dublin. You're both wrong. Mm-hmm. You should Waco? have stuck with your instincts because when Dr. Pepper was invented, it was called a Waco. Damn it. That's what the customers nicknamed it. They would come into the, the tavern and order a Waco. Tell me more about this documentary. That's for another segment, and we covered it years ago. Where were you? Thanks for listening. <laughs> Very busy. <laughs> All right, let's move on to more questions. 
Texas boasts the highway with the highest speed limit in the United States of America. Which road is it? Is it Highway 130? Is it Interstate 10? Is it Interstate 20? Is it Highway 6? Highway 30, I-10, I-20, or Highway 6? A max speed limit of 85 miles per hour. Jeez. Yes. Uh... 20? For Corby? I was just going to play the chalk and say 20 as well. You're both wrong. It is Highway 130. What the hell is that? 85? Where is that? Never even heard of it. Highway 130? Yeah. It's, it's in... north of McKinney. No, oh, yes, it's, it's in, to the north of it's us. in Texas. <laughs> you don't know either. Mm-hmm. The largest... Bat colony. The largest bat colony in North America resides in Texas. Hmm. But where? Here are your choices. There. Underneath the South Congress Bridge in Austin, Bracken Cave, Devil's Sinkhole, or the Frio Bat Cave. South Congress Bridge, Bracken Cave, Devil's Sinkhole, or Frio Bat Cave. Bob. I think it is that bridge, right? That's the only one that I've seen. I I've think seen it's those the South bats. Congress Bridge for some reason. It's the only one that I've seen. Again, play the chalk. Why would that be more than a cave, though? I know. Sticking well, with cave. bridge. I'm no, going, I'm sticking with bridge. I'm going bridge. I'm sorry. Both of you are wrong. Damn it is Bracken Cave. Oh, Where's that? Located in the state of Texas. What? You're not helping. Next question. Why is he so mad? I don't know. Bob, what yes. is... Don't interrupt me. Bob, Sorry. you did it again. My bad. What is the Texas State motto? Is it A, friendship, B, forward, C, hope, or D... Hey, how's your prostate? <laughs> hey, how's your prostate? No, or D, excelsior. Friendship, forward, hope, or Excelsior. The Texas State motto. One word. Excelsior. Friendship. Corby is right with a one-point lead. Yes! Excelsior I thought he was down one. Yes! I think he was down one. No, no, we tied. were tied. Moving right along. Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman appointed to the United States Supreme Court, was Texas. born in which Texas, Texas oh. city? Was it A, El Paso, B, Brenham, C, Waco, or D, Lubbock? Bob, where was Sandra Day O'Connor born? El Paso, Brenham, Waco, or Lubbock? Brenham. I'm going to say Bob. Brenham, too, because Waco's not going to be on two answers. She's not... Does it sound like someone that would be from El Paso? And what Lubbock. Does that I'm yeah, sorry, what does that, what does that mean? mean? Lubbock would really be crowing about this, too. So I'm going to go Brenham. Well, your uh, racist reasoning Whoops. did not allow you to win. She is from El Paso. Oh. Yeah, I would. I mean, <laughs> again, <laughs> you got to play the chalk on that one. Corby still with a one point lead Thank with you. only a few more questions to go. We're going to run through these. He just copy mine. Like, several places claim to be the home of the first rodeo in America. But which Texas town claims this title? Is it Odessa, Pecos, Fort Worth, or Abilene? Bob, you're on the clock. <laughs> I did. Uh, Odessa, Pecos, 
Fort Worth. I'm going to go Abilene. with the place I've never heard of. Give me Picus. Picos. <laughs> Not Picus. Picos. Yeah. Bob's going with Picos. Corby? I'm going with Fort Worth. Corby, you're wrong. Damn Bob it. is right. No, you're even. No. Picos. Yeah, man. Take a knee. <sighs> it's garbage. We are tied. This should be easy. You better hurry. Who is Go known, to shootout. Don't worry about me. Who's known as the father of Texas? Bob, is it Stephen F. Austin? Is it Sam Houston? Is it Jim Bowie? Or is it William Barrett Travis? The father of Texas. Got to be Sam Houston, right? You're going with Sam Houston, yeah. Corby? Stephen F. Austin. Corby is right, and yeah! he claims a one-point lead. One. Okay. Uh, Texas trivia. Here's Bob. What is the state's only natural lake? Is it Caddo, Possum Kingdom, Texoma, or Larry Bird Lake? Lake Lady Bird Lake. No, it's Larry Bird. Okay. (laughs) Is it Lake Caddo, Possum Kingdom Lake, Texoma, or Larry Bird Lake? The only nat this state of all of the lakes it has has only one that is natural. What's A again? Caddo. I'm going that one. Corby? I feel like he's right. But I want to extend my lead and I'm going Possum Kingdom. Possum Kingdom is man made. Caddo <laughs> is natural. And it is on the border of Louisiana and Texas. Damn it. Even I knew that without looking it up. And we are down to our last couple of questions. We are tied. Bob, what is the what is the punishment for picking blue bonnets in Texas? Is it A, a $250 fine? B, one year in jail? C, one month in jail? Or D, no punishment, it's legal? Uh, that's the uh, $250 fine. Everybody knows that. All right. Corby? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get thrown in jail. I'm going to no. go fine. No, you're not. You're also not going to pay a fine because there's nothing illegal about it. What? You can pick all the blue bonnets you want. It's garbage. All right, so where are we? We're we're tied. Winter, Still tied. This is for the championship. Winner takes all. All right. He should have to go first. Bob? Yes, sir. What is the highest peak in Texas? Ooh. Listen to your choices very carefully. Is it Bush Mountain? Is it Guadalupe Peak? Is it Emory Peak? Or is it El Capitan? El Cap? Bush Mountain, Guadalupe Peak, Emory Peak, or El Capitan. Emery Peak. Final uh, answer? I'm going Guadalupe. Bob, I'm sorry it is not Emery Peak. Corby, I'm sorry. It is Guadalupe oh, Peak! Oh, I'm the winner! Corby's the winner! Yes! And Corby, you've won tickets to the Dallas Auto Show. <laughs> 